Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 16, 2024, including... Xbox released a new podcast this week detailing changes to the division's business model. Yes, it is true. Xbox games are coming to competing platforms, but not necessarily the games we were expecting. This rather tame business update has begged the question, is the Xbox brand soon to be doomed, or have we been overreacting this whole time? All that and more coming up. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2015, nine years ago, Scream Ride was released for the Xbox 360 as a download version. Now, I'm a little confused by this because my memory, if my memory serves me right, Scream Ride was one of the first Xbox One games I played, but that would have meant that it came out in 2014, so it must have come out, I played on the Xbox One, so it must have come out in 2015, I'm just misremembering. Um, unless it came out to Xbox 360 later. No, it looks like they came out. Wow, yeah. I'm just misremembering. It came out in 2015. All right, well, hi, Scream Ride. I, I remember this game. It's kind of fun. A little uh, coaster sim, but it's more of like the on-ride stuff and less of like the building your own coasters. But no, you do build coasters. I just remember enjoying it because you could control the roller coasters while you're riding them. So you could like, it was like racing game meets roller coaster tycoon. And you could, like, speed them up or slow them down and, like, bank your turn super hard. And if you fucked up, it was like, okay, well, there are all your all your little test dummies are flying out of the roller coaster into the abyss. Because for some reason, it's, like, all uh, test track looking in the in, the, in this roller coaster simulator where it's, like, a roller coaster suspended 8 trillion feet in the middle of the air. Uh, in the middle of the sky with nothing but ocean and random buildings propped up. This is a weird game. I don't, I don't, I don't remember why I even bought this game, but I did enjoy... Playing this in the early Xbox One days. Okay, anyway, Scream Ride. Moving on. Guys, welcome to episode 246 of the Xbox On podcast. It is time. It is the part two to last week's episode. We finally have the response to all the rumors and all the Xbox murmurings going on last week about what was going on, games coming to PlayStation, and what's going to happen to Xbox hardware, and what's the future of the brand mean. We're going to get into all that today. I'm very excited to be able to provide the clarity that will relay the clarity provided by Xbox and dig into all that and provide my analysis along with all your comments. So thank you for writing in and thank you for being here today. I'm looking forward to this podcast very much. Mike Clark writes in and says, my favorite Xbox podcast that happens to cover PlayStation 5 games. Mike Clark, buckle up, motherfucker, you beautiful son of a baby. You Because at some point your mother was a baby and that's just the truth. All right, let's jump in this week with, uh, let's keep, let, first of all, let's not blow our, our roll, you know, too fast. Let's, where there's a structure and an organization how this podcast goes, we will get to the news. If you're just eager to see or to listen to the part about the Xbox business update and all of that, timestamps in the description, feel free to jump right ahead. But for the rest of you who enjoy the ride, you know, for those of you who, who play Scream Ride and you don't like to throw your test dummies right off a fucking cliff, let's, uh, let's buckle up. 
Let's make sure we uh, done all the safety checks and go through the motions of the podcast, and we will get there. But first, some opening segments. Guys, notable game releases of the week. A couple to point out. Banishers Ghost of New Eden. That new game from Don't Nod, the Life is Strange developers, although this game is nothing like Life is Strange. It is very much a third-person action game, and it looks pretty cool. Comes to Xbox Series and PC console, or Xbox Series consoles and PC. Um, it's out now, and uh, not while not a Game Pass game, definitely a game that looks really good. This is a, a, a Focus Interactive or Focus Entertainment published game, and they seem to be, I don't know, it's, that's an up-and-coming publisher I really admire because they just seem to mostly go after games that end up being like really good and kind of underappreciated. Like they're, they're kind of the kings of the AA space these days, if you ask me. So Focus Entertainment, who of course will soon be renamed uh, Pull Up because they fucking hate themselves. So they're going to name themselves Pull Up now, uh, even though Focus is kind of a badass name. So Banishers Ghost of New Eden, that's out now. That's like a, that's like a wait for a sale kind of game for me because... It looks good, but I'm not convinced I'll be totally like I don't know, totally captivated by it. So I'm not I'm not sure. Usually I'm pretty on the I'm pretty on it with knowing whether or not a game is for me. And this is one of those games where I I, I don't know the answer to that. So possibly a future Game Pass game. I don't know. We'll see. Um, next one I want to bring up here is the Tomb Raider One, Two, and Three Remastered Collection, available on Xbox Series consoles, Xbox One, and PC. That is also out as of now. As of the time you're hearing this podcast, you can go and download that. It's fine. It's good. It's happening. Um, apparently people are pretty impressed and or pretty pleased with how faithful and uh, true to the original games this remaster is. Um, I will not be going back and replaying these. I remember I remember Tomb Raider actually being a, a video game series that that gave me nightmares as a child because I was like five years old when we had a PlayStation one and my sister and brother would play uh, Tomb Raider and I'd be like, mm, I don't like tombs and mummies and the, those fucking dog Pharaoh Egyptian things that had the black dog masks and they have the human bodies and the in the in the doll nope nope not doing that it's wrong the bird dog face with the human body pharaohs whatever i don't know that's not what the pharaohs i don't fucking know that thing is terrifying aside from orca whales those things should not exist so i don't i was never much of a fan of the old tomb raider games i'll, I'll stick to the new ones thank you very much uh but for those of you who want to relive the nostalgia and the glory there's tomb raider remaster collection um also available on nintendo switch uh, for what for whatever the hell that's worth. Um, and then lastly, the game that comes out today as of the day this podcast is going live, Skull and Bones. That's right. Let me say it again. Skull and Bones. Let me say it one more time because hopefully this is the last time I ever have to mention this game. Skull and Bones, a Ubisoft original, I'm sure they probably put on the splash screen of the game, is finally out. We don't have to think about it anymore. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check. It's the, I'm recording on the evening of the 15th. I bet this game's embargoed for Friday morning. But let's just see Metacritic. Let's just see. I'm, I'm so fucking curious. This game's been in development uh, since since I was in middle school. So let's let's fucking find out what's going on. Yeah, it's embargoed. Uh, no no reviews so far. No no review in progress. IGN has a review in progress. Okay, the headlines are bad. The headlines are bad. Whatever. I'm certain this game is going to be dog poop, but. It's here. It's happened. I don't know. Really, I don't want to get into it. Actually, I'm, I'm I'm already bored just thinking about this game. So, Skull and Bones is out, and that is significant because we've been hearing about it for so long that we are all blessed to know now no longer. I, I shit you not, though. In all in, in all honesty, I'm pretty sure this was announced in 2015, maybe 2016. So it's been at least eight or nine years. So, fucking hell, thank God. All right, that's it for new releases. Banishers Ghost of New Eden looks pretty cool. Tomb Raider Remaster Collection, Relive the Glory. Skull and Bones, Turn and Run. How about that? Okay. Guys, um, 
let's go through a couple of mildly amusing stories this week before we uh, get into the what I've been playing and then ultimately get into the the main meaty news topic, which I'm so excited to get into. So um, this one here, this, this first one we're going to start with broke like while I was recording last week. So we didn't get to talk about it. And so now it feels a little old, but we'll talk about it here. Um, obviously, this is something that's kind of like right up my my alley. So it's, it's worth mentioning. All right, from VGC, the Walt Disney Company is making a $1.5 billion investment to acquire an equity stake in Epic Games. It, it said last week on Wednesday that the two companies are also partnering to create an all-new game or all-new games and an entertainment universe connected to Fortnite. Quote, in addition to being a world-class game experience and interoperating with Fortnite, the new uh, persistent universe will offer a multitude of opportunities for consumers to play, watch, shop, engage with content, characters, and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more, said Disney. Powered by Epic's Unreal Engine and launching soon-ish, according to the trailer, it will let users create their own stories and experiences and share content with each other. Sounds like Disney Infinity, doesn't it? Quote, our, excited, our exciting new relationship with Epic Games will bring together Disney's beloved franchises and brands with the hugely popular Fortnite and transformational new games and entertainment universe, said Disney's CEO Robert Bob Iger. That's right, his middle name is also Bob. This marks Disney's biggest entry ever into the world of games and offers significant opportunities for growth and expansion. We cannot wait for fans to experience the Disney stories and worlds they love in groundbreaking new ways. Disney was one of the first companies, and this is another quote, this one's from Epic CEO Tim Sweeney. Disney was one of the first companies to believe in the potential of bringing the worlds together with Fortnite, and they used the Unreal Engine across their portfolio. Now, we're collaborating on something entirely new uh, to build a persistent, open, and interoperable ecosystem that will bring together the Disney and Fortnite communities. Disney and Epic have a long-standing working relationship. The latter has contributed to Unreal Engine technologies to various Disney theme park rides and Star Wars movies. For example, while Fortnite has played home to Disney's season collaborations and live events, including Marvel Nexus War and Galactus, what? which attracted more than 15.3 million concurrent players, I... No idea what the hell Galactus is or Marvel Nexus, and I'm at Disney. I, I'm at Disney World like almost every week. What the fuck does that even? I've seen the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I watch Disney Plus. I go to Disney World. I don't even know what Galactus is. That's how. And yet, it's 15.3 million people engage with it because that's how big a deal Fortnite is. I love two minds of this of this story. There's the there's the I don't know. There's the game itself, and then there's the the business behind it. Um, as for the game itself. I'm pretty open-minded and op cautiously optimistic about it. I'm a huge Disney Infinity diehard, and I miss that game dearly, and this sounds like, in a lot of ways, a spiritual successor to that, so if we can get another game where freaking Anna and Elsa make sense next to Darth Vader and, and, and fucking Baloo from The Jungle Book, and we can make all the art styles make sense together and everything, I'm I'm all for that again. Let's have Mr. Incredible and, and, and Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow be best friends again. Um, and this idea of it being like this virtual Disneyland, Disney World, Magic Kingdom looking theme park type environment in a virtual space. That sounds cool to me. I'm all for that. Um, what I'm not necessarily all for is, um, is maybe melding that with like buff Peter Griffin and, and, and the Fortnite banana guy. So I, I'm hoping this is like a separate game in and of itself and not necessarily a component where it can mix and match with various Fortnite characters because I don't know. I just don't feel entirely comfortable mixing and matching those, those things all together. Although I guess you've already been able to do that with just regular Fortnite. So I don't know. Why does this make that any different? I, I'm interested in the game. I don't know if it's going to be a thing all onto itself or if it's going to be like a tie-in. 
um, in, in the regular Fortnite game. I know with like Lego Fortnite and this new rock band type thing they're doing, this new racing Rocket League type game they're doing. I, I, these are like games within Fortnite, with Fortnite being the platform. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. This is a great way to get me into the Fortnite universe, the Fortnite ecosystem, and, and, and I'll give this a go for sure. So that that's cool. Um, what's not cool is Disney spending $1.5 billion to invest in this when you just laid off 7,000 people last year. Um, you have these incredible theme parks that make hand over fist money and you continue to just ignore the fuck out of these theme parks and not invest in them, not keep them clean, not maintain the rides, not invest money in, in, in rejuvenating these parks. But instead you do these half-assed, cheap, budgety, kind of on-the-fly crappy updates to these parks and yet you still keep finding money to invest in other companies and acquire other companies and give more money to Disney Plus which is this hemorrhaging um, streaming service that no one ever asked for and keep making these these bad movies that no one cares about in theater and it's just like of course Disney continues to just have their priorities in all the wrong places but at the same time it is a wise and bullish move in the sense that if there is something you're going to invest your money in, I think uh, I think video games is a good place to do it because clearly there's tons of money to be made in Disney. The Walt Disney Company has always made the mistake of not taking gaming seriously enough. They should have been a huge player in this space since the 80s, if you ask me, and the fact that they've just stood idly by and dipped their toes in the water and jumped in and out and in and out over the years has just proven how incapable this company has been over time at understanding the value of gaming and understanding that they should be one of the huge players in the space, and they just they missed out because they're they're just inept. Um, and 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 plus, modern Disney is just so creatively vapid that they, of course, you know, would rather license out and just make money off their owned IP than uh, than actually create something with their own two hands. Because God knows, creativity is not what got Walt and his original team to where they are today. But anyway, I don't know. All all criticisms of the company aside. It's a shrewd move. It's a smart move to go and invest in Epic. And they've worked with Epic in the past. Epic, as the Unreal Engine, is what they used to build that Millennium Falcon theme park attraction at the Star Wars Land at Disney World and Disneyland. Um, it's literally like a video game. If you've ever been on that ride, it's like you're, you're controlling the Millennium Falcon and it feels like you're playing a, a, a video game very much so. So I don't know. This, is, this makes sense in all those ways. I also think this is probably a way of Disney re... Uh, refocusing their desire to do some kind of metaverse project. Um, their last CEO that they had for two years, Bob, Bob Chapek was talking about some kind of metaverse initiative. And then when Bob Iger came back to the company, he shut that all down. And this sounds like a, a way to get back into that because in a way, no one has been more successful at this like metaverse type thing than, than Fortnite has been. So this is probably the, the, the best way to get involved and the safest way to get involved is to do something with Epic and to do something with Fortnite rather than to be like, we're going to invest in the, um, the the Oculus, the Meta Oculus Quest or whatever the hell it's called. So I don't know. It's a good business move. It makes sense. It kind of pisses me off. You know, obviously they're investing more than $1.5 billion because they're not just trying to get, you know, save on licensing money to use the Unreal Engine for future theme park endeavors. This is, you know, they want to see the table. They want to make some money off video games. They want to understand this business better. And they want to be in on a company that is at the forefront of the future, like Epic Games. And so I think this is a smart move. I'm kind of excited about the game. I want to learn more about it, see more about it. And uh, yeah, this is this is weird. I guess I'm going to be playing Fortnite now. All right, guys, um, I do have to shut it off here for a second because or like de deviate. So I actually have already recorded the entire first half of this podcast. We went over all the new, new segments, um, what I've been eating, what I've been playing, all of that stuff. I got all I got an hour of stuff recorded and then my computer 
hit me with a notification and said, uh, memory full. I guess my, my D drive uh, was full and uh, out of storage. And so it deleted all but the first nine minutes of the podcast. Um, and so I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have it in my, my, my voice. I don't have the energy and I don't have the vocals to do that whole hour again, plus all the Xbox news we have to get into. Um, so for the first time in Xbox and history, there's just going to, there's just going to be pretty much an hour's worth of Xbox on that is just lost to the wind. It is not saved anywhere. There was no way to get it back. It happened. I was alone in this room and I heard it, but you can't be here to know that it really happened. And so, yeah, all, all the stuff I just talked about, it's gone. We're restarting, but, um, I just, I don't have, it's almost 10 o'clock and, and I have to get this podcast done. So unfortunately we're just going to skip over all the stuff that didn't get recorded and go straight into the news. And this week's going to be a little bit gimped. I'm, I apologize in advance. I know you guys already waited an extra day for the podcast because we had to accommodate this Xbox news. So it's coming out Friday instead of Thursday. And now I'm skimping on the, on the podcast by not including some of these opening segments, but uh, we'll get to it next week. I apologize. I've been playing Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. I'm playing Helldivers 2 on PC. Um, I've been playing Go Mechabot and uh, some really fun games, and I'm excited to talk to you guys about that next week, but I'm already starting to lose my voice, and we haven't even gotten to the news, or at, at least we did, and then we had to restart. So let's just um, let's just go straight into the news, and then we will uh, we'll pick up with the regular run of show on next week's podcast. So we'll do the news, we'll do the, the comments, and we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for understanding. All right, so let's just get right into it. I didn't really know how this was going to all play out. Um, we knew last week Phil Spencer was going to say, we'll talk next week, and the report started coming out saying, hey, following all the rumors and leaks and freaking out on the internet, Xbox is going to move up their new business update discussion by you know by a little bit and that this week we're going to learn something about it we're going to see what it you know we didn't know going in if it was going to be a blog post or a youtube video or some kind of digital presentation or whatever the hell it was going to be turns out earlier this week they they announced hey it's a it's a podcast it's the official xbox podcast we're going to do a little podcast um and and then today it came out around three in the afternoon with a little blog post accompanying it and then a couple of interviews that they did with some uh media and some outlets um that also went up all around the same time so we got a lot of little things to dig through a lot of different avenues uh blog posts podcasts interviews and, and from all those different avenues we can you know we can extract a lot of information and value but I just, uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what I was expecting, you know, following everything that happened last week with the news. Oh, these play, these, these Xbox games are coming to PlayStation. Gears of War is coming to PlayStation. Oh, my God. This is the end of it all. You know, freaking big-time Xbox influencers are going to GameStop and selling their Xboxes to buy PlayStations and all that stuff. It's like I, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought, wow, Xbox has just so much explaining to do. And that is kind of all true, but at the same time, now that we're past it and, and everything's happened, I'm like, huh, I feel like they didn't, they they were more in control of the message than I than I let on, or than I thought, or I guess like, I don't know, I guess they handled it well, because I don't, while I think they're obfuscating and playing things down and trying to distract in some ways, I also think they just, they kind of had more control over things than it seemed like, you know, or just they did a good job of making it seem that way at least, so I don't know, let's just... Let's get into it by, let's start by reading the Xbox Wire post that they put up. So they put up a 22-minute episode of the podcast, of their podcast, the official Xbox podcast. It was Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, and Matt Booty all on it. 
Um, and it was being hosted by Tina Amini, which is, I always think it's so weird. She works for Xbox now with like media and stuff. But I, I remember her from, um, from IGN back in the day. I think, I think she worked at Kotaku before that. I could be mistaken, but anyway, so she, she hosted it and, um, yeah, it was just a little like, uh, little like PR podcast thing, little stage for them to talk about what's going on. And then this blog post that, that was posted alongside the 22 minute podcast kind of sums up most of what's in that discussion. So let's read that first. Um, and then get into some of your comments and then get into some of these interviews and try to break these things down piece by piece. So starting with the Xbox wired post that went up today. Today on a special edition of the official Xbox podcast, Xbox shared an update uh, on plans to continue to bring more in, on plans to continue to bring more games to more people around the world with the exciting news that the first Activision Blizzard King game on Xbox Game Pass will be Diablo 4 beginning on March 28th. Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, and Matt Booty also shared their vision on the uh, game exclu- on game exclusivity, the future of Xbox hardware, the overall Xbox promise. There's a lot to talk about, so we encourage you to watch the full episode. With that combined creative, with the f- combined creativity across Team Xbox, players can expect an incredible year in 2024 with the likes of Senua Saga, Hellblade 2, and Yan Jones, etc. Blah, blah blah. You know, it's it's a PR blog wire post, so you expect some of that. Uh, here we go. Here's where we start getting to meat and potatoes. There will be even more games to play as we begin to fulfill our commitment to offer Activision Blizzard games on Game Pass, both with new releases, both with new releases, it's important to note, and classic games from the Legendary Catalog. We're happy to share that Diablo 4 will be available to play by the 34 million Game Pass subscribers on both PC and Xbox consoles beginning March 28th. Very important to note that number, 34 million Game Pass subscribers and Diablo 4 comes to Game Pass on March 28th. This is only the start of Xbox players being able to enjoy Activision Blizzard games on Game Pass, and we look forward to sharing more soon. Our combined studio teams are already are already uh, shipped some of the biggest franchises to the critically acclaimed adventures across multiple platforms, including Minecraft, Call of Duty, Overwatch, Diablo, Elder Scrolls, uh, and more. Have been... Uh, and more have built communities across console, PC, and mobile. Likewise, Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda have brought dozens of games to Steam alongside Xbox consoles on launch day. The teams at Xbox have extensive experience supporting multiple platforms while continuing to invest heavily in their studios, our consoles, and our services. So there's a little bit of like um, PR buffering. Uh, to ensure long-term success for both Xbox and the industry as a whole, we must continue to evolve. Today, we announced that we will be expanding the communities we reach. We are currently in the process of bringing four Xbox games to other platforms. These titles, which have been available to Xbox players for at least a year, including uh, including hidden gems that deserve to be experienced more widely, and live service games whose communities will benefit from welcoming even more players. We will share more details on these four titles soon. So very important to highlight. By bringing these games to even more players, we're not only expanding the reach and impact of those titles, but this will allow us to invest in even uh, in either future versions of these games or elsewhere in our first party portfolio. There's no fundamental change to our approach to on, on exclusivity. Likewise, our commitment to game preservation is unwavering. Xbox players should have confidence in building your digital library on the Xbox ecosystem. Important to note, we will continue to have re- uh, we will continue to reward um, that with the most robust player friendly experiences, including backwards compatibility. Crossplay, cross-save progression, convenient cloud gaming, and more. Xbox consoles will continue to provide a flagship experience for players. It's where you get to be the best value and convenience. It's where Game Pass provides unprecedented access to an even ever-evolving library of games. To be clear, Game Pass will continue to be available 
only on Xbox platforms. This is what it means to be part of Xbox. And this is kind of the bullet points they put to like really beat home the ideas. This is what it means to be part of Xbox. One, the biggest games in the world will be on Xbox. Okay, that's kind of nonsense. Two, our games will come to Game Pass day one. That's important to note. Three, a robust and innovative multi-year hardware roadmap. That's important to note. Four, compatible uh, compatibility with your library is a priority, inclusive of cross-play, cross-safe, robust cloud features. That's half of an important point. And finally, five, Xbox will continue to help game creators find biggest audiences possible. Bull crap. All right, so that is the little blurb. That doesn't get into as much as the actual podcast itself gets into, but we will touch on those things. I want to first start with a couple things that I highlighted here in this blog post so we can discuss these things. Then we got a couple listener comments, and then we'll get into this interview Phil Spencer did with The Verge. So starting with these highlights, the first one, and I'll just get this out of the way because I don't think it's as, you know, whatever. It's it's exciting, but it's not like a, a, a tea leaves reading move. Diablo 4 is coming to Game Pass on March 28th. First Activision Blizzard game to come into Game Pass. Everyone thought it would be Diablo 4 and, and then Modern Warfare 3 or something like that. So this is pretty much in line with what everyone expected. Surprised it took this long to get there, but it's exciting. I've been holding off on this game forever because I knew it would come to Game Pass. And here we are. So this is exciting. This is fun. This is something to look forward to. Okay, now let's move on. So there's a there's a lot of concerns that were raised over the past week as a result of all this news breaking. So some of these things are just to dispel or add credibility to some of these concerns that have been floating around. Starting with, and this is just in the order that they come up in the blog post, where they mention in regards to Activision Blizzard games on Game Pass, they say both new releases and classic games from Legendary Catalog coming to Game Pass. So new releases that, you know, people were starting to say, I'm not sure if they'll if they'll ever bring Call of Duty games to Game Pass. Maybe the new Call of Duty games don't go to Game Pass. This kind of confirms that they will. Now, it doesn't say day one releases, which is important to note, but they say new games, new releases. I assume that means when a new Call of Duty game comes out, it will be available on Game Pass. Listen, I know there's a lot of people who are like, well, at this rate, it's like, why would you even put these games on Game Pass? It's like you're just putting them on all the platforms. Clearly, they want to make money. Listen, man, nothing is going to drive Game Pass subscriptions up like saying, hey, here's a brand new Call of Duty game and it's available on Game Pass for both Xbox and PC. That is going to, that is, the day you put a brand new day one game uh, Call of Duty game on Game Pass is the day you get like 10 to 15 new million new Game Pass subscribers. Like that is going to have a massive impact on Game Pass. So that's that's a little silly to think that, um to think that they wouldn't do that. So the, there they are kind of confirming that. So that's good. And these get more intense as we go through them. So, Here's here's possibly the biggest one that they 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 drop. They kind of casually throw it in 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 passing. They say we're happy to show that Diablo Four will be available to play by the 34 million Game Pass subscribers on both Xbox consoles and PC. So last time we got an official uh, Game Pass subscriber count was about two years ago, and it was somewhere in the low 20 million range. So you assume like 20, 22, 23 million subscribers. There are 34 million Game Pass subscribers. That's a, that's you know that's not like hugely impressive to go up 10 million or so in two years, but it's trending upwards. Just last week, I was talking about how numbers were flat or maybe even possibly going down, but 34 is a huge uptick. Like that's that's progress. At least they're trending upwards and they're making they're you know they're 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 covering ground as the economy worsens and people get laid off and people are freaking out. Hey, Game Pass subscriber counts are going up. People are canceling Netflix and Disney Plus left and right, but Game Pass numbers are going up. 
that's a big win, Xbox. Until you realize, and 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 we'll get into this a little more later with one of these interviews. Thirty-four million Game Pass subscribers includes people who subscribe to Game Pass and people who were subscribed to Xbox Live Gold. And then last year they rebranded Xbox Live Gold as Xbox Game Pass Core, and then lumped that in. So now, if you were a game, if you were an Xbox Live subscriber a year ago. Now you're a Game Pass subscriber, and that artificially inflates this number. Now, Phil Spencer's come out, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, saying that, hey, that's a really small number of players that were just Xbox Live subscribers, but not Game Pass subscribers. The big draw here, the big change in numbers, actually comes from PC subscribers mostly. We're getting a lot of new people on cloud and PC. I wouldn't be surprised if stuff like Starfield um, drove a lot of PC gamers to subscribe to Game Pass, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got a lot of new subscribers from things like Forza and uh, and and in Star Starfield last year. So I don't doubt that, but you know that number doesn't tell the whole story because there's some Xbox Live subscribers in that 34 million. So just putting it out there. All right, let's move on to another thing. So all right, here here's the 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 main attraction, right? Because we've been the, these rumors have been. There are some Xbox games that are coming to PlayStation and Switch. And at first, the rumors were kind of benign. It was like Hi-Fi Rush, which certainly ruffled some feathers, but wasn't the end of the world. Like People were like, people were like getting by and living with this despite it not making people happy. And it was what it was. But then it was Sea of Thieves. And that was another one. It's like people weren't totally happy with it, but, you know, it's an older game. It's like, it's like six years old at this point. Um, it's been on Game Pass all these years. No one's no one's just trying to see if these out for the first time right now. Um, it's a live service game, so it needs new players to keep the game alive. So maybe this will be good for the game. We can find a way to make that make sense. Okay, you bring this this older live service game to PlayStation, perhaps. All right, we can deal with it, right? And then the rumors started spiraling out of control where people were like, no, Starfield's coming to PlayStation 5. No, Indiana Jones is coming to PlayStation 5. No, Gears of War is coming to PlayStation 5. And that's where it got like, okay, shit is hitting the fan. What are we fucking doing here? And and that's where it's I started getting worked up about it a little bit. You know, a little bit like, what the fuck is going on? Because there there is some... Listen, Ori in the Blind Forest, uh, came, Cuphead, whatever, came to Nintendo Switch... We get it. These are these small games that even though they're critical little indie darlings, it's like the games industry is a bubble and, you know, you, you sell 400,000 copies of something like that on Xbox and then 2 million people play it because of Game Pass or something. That's that's great, but, like, that game has potential to do so much better if you put it on a platform like Switch where over 100 million people have access to the console. Okay, that makes sense. That's fine. But you don't go taking your fucking bread and butter like Halo Combat Evolved and be like, all right, PlayStation, here's Master Chief. Like, that's that's like, whoa, what are you doing? And so that's what kind of happens when you start to see rumors about Gears of War and Starfield coming to game. Uh, whoa, to come on PlayStation? What the hell? So the good news is we pretty much know, not 100%, but we pretty much know those games aren't coming to PlayStation or at least not anytime soon. They say there's four games, and while they aren't saying which four games they are now, we can pretty much assume that it is Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded. And because they specifically say that two of the titles are hidden gems that deserve to be experienced more widely, and the other two games are live service games whose communities will benefit from welcoming even more players. The live service games are obviously Sea of Thieves and Grounded, games that are a couple years old that 
could use an injection of life by having millions of new people come on board by having a new platform exposed to the game. And then those two games that are um, critical in hidden gems or indie darlings or whatever, you know, that need to be experienced more widely. Clearly Pentiment, a little passion project from, from um, Obsidian that came to game pass in 2022 and, you know, was, was well received and everything, but it's a smaller, little more niche game. So putting a game like that on Switch in particular, you know, you know, draw a little bit of enthusiasm, draw a little bit of interest, make some money off the game, but it's not going to make, you know, no one's going to buy or sell an Xbox or choose PlayStation or Xbox one over the other based on which platform Pentiment is available on. So I get that. Hi-Fi Rush is a little more controversial because it's like, this is a new IP. It's exciting. You can expect sequels in this. It's fun. It's fresh. It's new. It's a great get for Xbox. And now they're going to bring it to, X to Nintendo Switch and PlayStation, which is a little disappointing. But you, you kind of get it with things like Tango Gameworks is a Japanese developer. Japanese people don't play Xbox. So the Japanese market hasn't really even experienced this game except for maybe PC because most Japanese players are on like mobile and on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation. So, you know, you got to make that game available to its its market, the market of the people who fucking created the game. So I get it from that perspective. And I get that it, it did great and, and people loved it and got great reviews, but not a lot of people played it because not a lot of people have Xbox. So I, I get it that this is a great way to expose the game to more people. And again, it's kind of like Pentiment where like, no one's going to uh, very few people in this world were like, all right, Hi-Fi Rush looks so good. I'm going to go buy an Xbox. It's a great game. It's a great additive game. It's a great bonus game, but it's not a system seller. Starfield system seller. Gears of War system seller. Indiana Jones system seller. That's why those games are like, what the fuck are you doing? You put Starfield on PlayStation. You're going to start cannibalizing Xbox hardware. You put Pentiment on, and Grounded on, on, on PlayStation, and not really. I mean, it's weird to get those Xbox games on other platforms, but you're not going to, you know, whatever. I get it. So a little bit of this is like, okay, did we overreact? Did we overreact, right? Well, yes and no, because while overall the news I think was kind of not terrifying, I think there's still a lot that they're not saying, and there's a lot of implication for what would happen if this, you know, if these games do really, really, really well on PlayStation or um, if, if people do start, can, you know, if it does start cannibalizing Xbox hardware, like there's there are financial ramifications to how these things play out. So and I think they're not totally honest about what all this means for the future. Um, so the good news is one of the questions they ask in the podcast is, can you confirm whether or not any of those four games are Starfield or Indiana Jones? And Phil Spencer says they are not. It is it, neither of the neither of the four games. None of the four games are Indiana Jones or Starfield. So they confirmed that they're working on four games. It's not Indiana Jones. It's not Starfield. There was no mention of Gears of War because I guess that one was a lesser known rumor, and so they didn't bring it up directly. But it does seem all but inevitable that it is going to be Sea of Thieves, Pentiment. Hi-Fi Rush, and then probably Grinded. That's the one that I'm least, that it's like, I've heard the least number of rumors about it, but it just makes the most sense, and most people seem to be gravitating towards that as well. Um, so I, I really do think it is those four games. And Phil Spencer makes it clear, like, hey, this is something we're just, um, this is just something we're, we're just trying out. We just want to try it out. We want to see how these games perform on other platforms, and we want to see how these games being available on other platforms affects Xbox. It's like an experiment. We want to see. The, the thing is, and we'll see this more in some of these interview questions, Minecraft Dungeons is already on uh, PlayStation and, and, and Switch and 
Minecraft and uh, like Minecraft proper and like Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Well of the Wisps and Psychonauts 2 and all these games are already on other platforms. So y- you know what those games being available on other platforms does for Xbox. Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76. You know what those games being on PlayStation and Switch and all that means for Xbox. So this isn't just like a, ooh, we're just curious little experiment thing. This is clearly a, we're we're looking for ways to get additional funds out. And I I almost wonder, because remember last week we talked about this, this behind the scenes struggle, this power battle between the Xbox leadership and the Microsoft leadership. I almost wonder if the fan backlash and all the shit that, that happened last week was enough that like the Tim Stewart's and the Satya Nadellas were like, Hey, okay. Okay. Clearly, clearly this, there are random, you know, people are seen pissed. It's just hard to imagine that someone like a Satya Nadella or Tim Stewart is going to cower or react strongly to like an echo chamber of gaming nerds on Twitter, you know? So it's kind of hard to imagine that that's the case, but maybe, you know, there was Starfield. It was, you know, because they've been going back and forth for months, as we know from, like, behind-the-scenes reporting and stuff. That they've been going back and forth for once. And at one point, Starfield was floated, and Indiana Jones was floated. And then eventually it became apparent, especially with the reaction last week, that's like, we just can't sustain the backlash that would come from us putting those games on on, on, on PlayStation, even if it's a year later or whatever. Like, we Xbox has got to have some killer apps. You know, Pentiment, no offense to that game, is not a killer app. It is supplemental. It is additive to the experience. It's nice little seasoning to add to the overall value of Game Pass, but it's not the reason why. You buy an Xbox for Halo. You buy an Xbox for uh, Starfield. You buy an Xbox for the new Indiana Jones game or for Avowed or for whatever, but you don't buy an Xbox because grounded you don't buy an xbox because pentiment maybe you bought an xbox because of sea of thieves but that was six years ago and so they're testing it and you're not hearing it now because i i lost the recording but in the last version of this podcast i was recording before i lost everything i was talking about how uh, i'm playing right now i'm playing uh hell divers 2 on playstation no i'm not playstation i don't have a playstation 5 what the hell on steam on, on pc and I'm loving it. It's a fucking great game. It's so great. Props to Sony. They deserve some serious recognition. This is exactly what PlayStation needs is some fun gameplay-oriented shit and not just another, like, overly serious, mature game. Um, this game's awesome. But the, beside the point, this is the first time a, a big PlayStation game has launched day and date on PS5 and PC. They didn't hold this game for a year or two years like they're doing with all their other games. They released it day and date. This, I was able to buy a brand new PlayStation 5 game the day it came out and play it on my PC. Because it's a live service game, that's Sony's approach, and they're, and they're trying to test the waters themselves and figure out, like, these live service games live and die by whether or not they're able to capture an audience. So we need to put these games on PC day one if they have any, if we want them to have any chance of surviving and finding an audience. And I feel like that's a similar thing with what's happening here with, like, Grounded and CFDs, where it's like, listen, man, these games have run their course. If you want to sustain and keep alive these live service games, we got to find an audience to play them. And obviously, the people on Xbox who want to play these games have already played these games we got it. We got to cast a new net. We got to see if maybe over on PlayStation, there's a couple million people who would check out Sea of Thieves and maybe we can, you know, inject some life into that, that game's um, live service element, even though it's a six year old experience experience, you know? So I, I get that. And I, I take that, but I just can't help but think that maybe higher up management was like, we got, we got it. We got to get some of these games on other platforms. And then maybe Xbox won the battle by saying, listen, man, look at the way people are freaking out. Look at the way the fans are freaking out. This is not good for the brand. 
here, let us put some smaller games on this platform. We'll see how they do. And, and we'll report back to you. We'll see how it affects Game Pass, how it affects Xbox hardware, how it affects engagement with the Xbox platform. And see how well these things even sell on PlayStation, Nintendo Switch. If it's even an avenue worth pursuing, although we kind of already know because we have Minecraft dungeons and minecraft proper and uh and ori and the blind forest and things like that to go off of and so i don't know man i just i i don't think we were being completely tinfoil hat last week i really do believe that there is some internal power struggle that there is some higher up at, at microsoft that's saying hey games make more money when you put them on more platforms we're a software company we're not all about having a closed ecosystem why aren't we putting some of these games on playstation without realizing the significance of the of the xbox console but the problem is, and as you know, as has been reported recently in the news, Xbox consoles were being outsold by PlayStation last year, two to one. It's estimated that there are only like 24, 25 million Xbox Series X and S's out there in the wild, while PlayStation, while PlayStation Five has 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 set 50 plus, 50 plus million units out there. And so I, I I get it where it's like, hey, maybe the the hardware is not the most important thing. Maybe Game Pass subscribers and, and games sold is the most important thing because game you know the hardware isn't moving like crazy and, and there's more money to be made by just selling games than there is to sell break even hardware and hope that people subscribe to Game Pass or buy a game or two you know so I get it from that perspective as well but I do think there's some back behind the scenes power dynamic power struggle but the fact that Phil Spencer and Matt Booty and Sarah Bond were the ones to come out and deliver the message today does mean that I think that Team Xbox was able to save face, hold over the messaging, win, it, win out in some way, and that their vision is going to continue to see another day, and that the worst-case scenario from what we talked about last week is not what happened. And that what's happened, you know, we still might end up in that worst-case scenario, but we have more time than last week maybe suggested from all the leaks and rumors coming out last week. The fact that Phil Spencer and his his leadership got to come out and control this message says that they're still in charge of Xbox and they still have the reins and it's still their vision that's being um, sought through. Um, the fact that they're only going after like these smaller games that didn't perform super well or that older live service games that need an audience shows us that there is experimentation going on and that you know a couple games will come over here or there and they don't know when it will, there will be more, although I assume there will be more. Technically, there could be fewer games that, you know, they could not do any more games on PlayStation. Phil Spencer made that clear. It's like, I don't want people on other platforms to get the insinuation that this means we're going to start always bringing our games over, that you can just always rely on us to bring our games. We don't know. There might not be more games after this. This might be it, or it might be some other games, but not everything. So don't expect anything and everything. And so I appreciate that clarity. But the thing is, I I, I think, you know, it's weird because they kept saying, like, we want we want to. We just want to see what happens, you know? Bitch, you know what's going to happen. You're going to sell more games. And you already have this data. So that's the thing that that really, that really like, wrinkles my brain is hearing them try to, like, just be like, oh, we're just curious what happens if we take some underperforming games and some smaller games and some older games and put them on PlayStation and Switch and see what happens. It's like, yeah, you make some fucking money. That's what happens. You double dip. But I just don't want that to continue to be so successful for them. Like Sony was so successful putting Hellblade 2 on PC day and date this past week. And it was such a great boon for PlayStation. But I don't want Xbox to experience stuff like that with games on PlayStation Switch. Only to come back with the message that like, yeah man, we got we got to put Starfield on PlayStation. Yeah man, we got to put Gears of War on PlayStation. 
because then we're back to that worst case scenario. And then we start to see Xbox hardware hemorrhaging and people not buying it or supporting it or using it. And then it's like, yeah, sure. You're saying you're going to continue to support Xbox. Like they said in the, in the, in the direct, like, Hey, we got Xbox hard. Sarah bond said we have Xbox hardware to talk about for later this year. And we're already hard at work on the next generation of Xbox, which rumors and reports suggest will come out in like two or three years. Um, probably two years. And they're talking about how it will be the most powerful gaming piece of hardware ever. It will be substantially bigger and more powerful um, than any generation previously released. That So that like the jump in power from Xbox One to Xbox Series X will, will look like a, like a tiny jump compared to the jump from Xbox Series X to whatever this next-gen Xbox is. And it's cool to hear them say things like that. And I'm excited for, you know, the Xbox coming out this year and like the the, the more powerful upgrade, the more powerful next-gen hardware coming out in two years. I'm excited for that stuff. It's just that I, I, I don't know. Plans can change. Things can change. And if you guys put these games on PlayStation and they just do super, super, super well, then you're going to be encouraged. It's like, well, why not, you know, put like, go. I don't know. I almost said Ghostwire Tokyo, but that, that was a PlayStation exclusive for a while. You know, but it's like, they'll be like, oh, why not put Contraband on there? You know, why not put, hey, State of Decay is going to be kind of like a live service multiplayer thing. Like, put State of Decay on Switch and PlayStation. It's like, ah, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? So that's what I'm worried about. And then to go back to these other things I highlighted, there's a few more things. All right, so this is what Matt Booty was talking about. This is the part I kind of call bullshit on. This was like them trying to explain what the benefit is like for, for the people wondering like, why would I buy an Xbox when PlayStation's just getting Xbox games anyway? You know, Phil Spencer said the whole thing about like, we're not putting all of our games on PlayStation. We don't even know if more games will come outside of these four games. So don't expect it. We don't want to build a precedent where people expect our games on other platforms. It's just these specific four games we're bringing over and there may be more at some point in the future. I don't know yet. But then Matt Booty's response to that to kind of like assuage fears and, and, and instill some kind of like, confidence that the xbox brand's going nowhere the ecosystem's going nowhere the hardware's going nowhere he goes we'll continue to re he talks about this is from the post but um this, these were his talking points uh we'll continue to reward we will continue to reward that with the most robust player-friendly experiences that include backwards compatibility cross-play cross-state progression convenient cloud gaming and more xbox consoles will be a flagship experience for players it's where you'll get the best value and convenience it's where game pass provides un unprecedented access to an ever-evolving library. So why buy an Xbox? Why can we assume that Microsoft will continue to make Xbox hardware and support Xbox hardware? Because backwards compatibility, player-friendly experiences, cross-play, cross-save, cloud gaming, and Xbox hardware will always be the flagship. I think Sarah Bond said the flagship seminal place to experience Xbox games. While all that is great and all that is true, and those are reasons why I love gaming on Xbox hardware, that just sounds like grassman. I don't know. It's like it used to be like, wh why buy a PlayStation Five? Oh, because uh, this bad badass game called The Last of Us that's only on PlayStation. This New Horizon game, this new Spider-Man game that's super awesome, and the DualSense controller that has these special features, and it's this big ecosystem where all these people play it. So all your friends are already on the platform, and that's why you choose PlayStation. Xbox has given away so many games and lost so much ground to PlayStation that they're saying. The reason why they're not giving up on hardware, the reason why you shouldn't think that it's going to be all streaming or Game Pass on other platforms or all Xbox games on PlayStation is because they want to continue to have a, a dedicated hardware platform for cross-play, cross-save, cloud gaming. And these sound like these sound like subscription things. These sound like things you get from subscribing to Game Pass. These don't sound like reasons to have Xbox hardware. Cross-save. 
convenient cloud gaming, crossplay, backwards compatibility, flagship experiences. Yeah, that I mean that's true for Xbox hardware, but that felt like grasping at straws. That felt like PR nothingness. Like they weren't they were just saying shit and and, and just trying to come up with something to get you as an audience member to believe like everything's okay, the house isn't on fire and uh, Xbox has got things under control. You shouldn't give up on them. So that one right there, I take issue with. And then finally, those bullet points again, just to talk about them. the biggest games in the world will be on Xbox. Uh, that's that means nothing. It's also subjective. The biggest games in the world right now do happen to be on Xbox. Yeah, Boulder's Gate, uh, Elden Ring, Hogwarts Legacy, sure, Call of Duty. Um, our games will come to Game Pass day one. That's important that they're going to continue to support that because there were rumors and concerns that maybe they'd have to start rolling that back that some games wouldn't be day one Game Pass and that Call of Duty might not be able to come to Game Pass. That would that would kill Game Pass. Microsoft needs to know, and I think they clearly do, that if you don't have your uh, first party content launching to Game Pass day one, there's no reason for Game Pass. Game Pass means nothing. It's no better than Ubisoft Plus, EA Play, whatever. It's like, you don't need it. So... That's, that's an important one. The third one, again, was a robust, innovative, multi-year hardware roadmap. That's cool because it instills confidence that they're going to continue to build ro- uh, hardware. But you guys also said you weren't giving up on Windows Phone, then you gave up on Windows Phone. You guys also said that you were going to make a Surface Phone, and then you gave up on that after the second try. You guys also, you know, Microsoft says a lot of things about hardware that they don't make good on, that they don't follow through on. So i not totally convinced by that one, but it's good to see them at least giving the lip service of saying hardware matters and there's a roadmap and that they have, you know, it basically seems like they confirmed like, hey, we're not doing an Xbox Series X version X, like a mid-gen refresh. We are doing a, an all digital Series X, like the one that was, you know, leaked in those reports. And then in two years, we'll get the next generation of Xbox. So this generation will only be like a six-year cycle, which is just weird. It's a fast one. It's a faster than usual. So... In two years, we should be getting a replacement for the Xbox Series, which is weird to think about. And then the last thing is, uh, or the last two is the thing we just talked about, the cross-play, cross-save, cloud features. And then the last one after that is Xbox will continue to help game creators find the biggest audiences possible. Yeah, you will, by putting your games on PlayStation. So that one, I think it's just bad putting that in there all together. But yeah, they kept talking about that a lot. They're like, hey, by supporting PC and supporting cloud streaming and Xbox hardware, we're creating a platform where players are enabled or our creators are enabled to reach bigger and better audiences. It's like, yeah, but by putting your games on PlayStation, you're also doing that. So that's not an altruistic thing. That's just a way to make more money. So what's that all about? I don't know. Let's go over to the comments real quick and see what some of you guys have to say. And then we'll get into these interviews because Phil Spencer gets in more detail about some aspects here. Arctic chief says, well, I'm not sure about you all here, but I don't think we learned anything from that Xbox podcast, except the next console is going to be stronger and better. Yeah, and it's important to note that the whole stronger and better thing, I think, is it's twofold. It's a way of saying, like, if PlayStation's about to do a PlayStation 5 Pro, uh, just know that we're still going to have the most powerful console because our next generation's right around the corner. It's going to be by far the most powerful thing in the world. Also, we're so committed to Xbox as a hardware brand that we're willing to tell you right now, in a few years, we got a new generation coming out. It's even more powerful and capable than what the Series X did for gaming this generation. So that's cool, but yeah, I'm with you in in some sense that there's a lot we didn't learn, but also I feel like they did do a good job of calming a lot of people's nerves. Um, Because if you go back like three or four weeks ago when the rumors were like, yeah, Hi-Fi Rush and see if these are probably coming to uh, PlayStation and Switch, I, I I wasn't like giddy about that. I didn't like love it. 
because it did make me a little apprehensive, but um, nowhere near as bad as like the stuff we were hearing last week. And I do feel like they have successfully diffused enough of the bomb to where it's like we're back to like DEFCON 1, not DEFCON 5, you know, like that kind of thing. So I do think they did kind of loosen some of the tension and and and, uh, and assure some people. I don't think it was all for nothing. Cronky writes in and says, just do a little, just to do a little gloating. It seems my comment from last week has aged well. This was a whole lot of nothing, just some old small titles like Pentiment, no disrespect, and some live service shovelware like Sea of Thieves, some disrespect. Uh, not a particularly big deal. Time for Xbox to learn, Xbots to learn to take a deep breath. Um, yeah, again, to some extent, yes. Did people overact last week? Absolutely. Did I even overact a little bit? Yeah, kind of a little bit. I gotta be honest. Um, the thing is we were getting very reliable reports from very reliable people and I still believe it. You can't convince me for a single fucking second that there haven't at least been conversations or, or ideas kicked around or internal debates about whether or not they should bring Gears of War to PlayStation or Starfield to PlayStation. And that that's worth being concerned over. Like that's not nothing. People aren't just making shit up by being worried about that. So I don't think that everyone was up in arms over nothing. I do think there were specific characters out there that were being a little extra when they didn't need to be. But overall, I don't, I think a lot of the concern and this, a lot of the concern and, and, and fear surrounding everything was, was warranted in my opinion. And finally, Mike Clark writes in about this and says, the Microsoft media event was so many words and so many minutes to say nothing at all. It was like watching a political debate, but less hair gel and <laughs> and an absence of power ties. How did they let the spiral of rumors get out of control and then collapse their brand image for this? The only purpose of the presentation seems to be to inform investors and the brass about the structure of the Xbox business model and overall forward strategy. It has nothing to do with anything relevant to consumers at all. Uh... I think it's kind of relevant to consumers, but I do agree that this is, if this is all it was, they should have come up with this last week and they could have nipped so much in this butt in the butt. That's part of why I believe so strongly that there are bigger back and forth behind the scenes with upper management about Starfield and Indiana Jones and gears of war on PlayStation and stuff, because they couldn't just come out last week and say these things, even though they were relatively tame and they were relatively in line with, things they've already said in the past and, and all that, but for them to have to sit quiet on this and, and, and work so hard to figure out this messaging says that, I don't know, man, it's, it's hard because we're not going to know for a very long time, if ever exactly how true this is until hopefully we get some inside reporting one day to prove it. But my assumption is last week's internet meltdown over this situation probably did some good for reversing or preventing some of the things we don't want to see happen from happening. That is my two cents. I know it's a little tinfoil hat, but I, I do believe it that that meltdown last week maybe helped team Xbox win over upper management Microsoft with trying to maintain the vision and keep it intact as much as possible. Making sure games like Starfield and Indiana Jones don't come to PlayStation. So, I don't know. I think some of why this was so tame and mild is because a lot of that backlash worked last week and Microsoft and Xbox would rather just have everyone feel silly about overreacting, but feel better about the Xbox brand than for us to have waited around and freaked out all this time just to find out, Oh God, our feel our fears were real. Look what's happening. They're taking all of our games and putting them on PlayStation. So 
I don't know, man. I don't I don't think people were freaking out over nothing, and I don't think I don't think Xbox said nothing here today. I think they said a lot. It's just that a lot of what they had to say ended up kind of playing into a lot of what they had to say. I think was it was just reactionary to what what's been happening the past couple weeks. So let's let's jump into some of these interviews. So the, it's it's hard. The, this first one with The Verge with Tom Warren from The Verge is really long. It's Phil Spencer and Tom Warren, and I tried to trim some of it. Tom Warren says at the top of his his article that he trimmed some of it, and I recommend you go read his full write down of it. But I, I'm trying to trim as much of this as I can because it is a lot of questions. And props to Tom Warren. He asked Phil Spencer some very good questions. Um, so let's touch on some of these, dive into some of them a little bit more. Um, but we'll get some further context for some of these things we're talking about here. So from The Verge, these are literally just the Q&A. There's no intro or anything like that. But um, Tom Warren asked Phil Spencer, why is publishing more games on multiple platforms key to improving long-term success for Xbox? Phil Spencer says, the games themselves have just a great opportunity to grow. When you find a successful game that's working, that's finding great customers on Xbox consoles and PC, you think about... How do I make sure those game franchises continue to grow? We can invest in them. We can continue to thrive and find new customers. The software part of the business is an easier part of the business to grow and scale. It becomes more and more about access, but how do those bits actually get to the screen and even some business model access? For us, Game Pass, it's Game Pass plus retail. It's obviously plenty of uh, free-to-play games on Xbox, but I'd say that business model diversity is in giving people more choice and how they build their library, our platform needs to enable those things. And then I think about the games themselves on top of that and the incredible opportunity to reach billions of players out there. You see something like the launch of Pal World last month. It's effective, It's effectively one game that was built and they continue to update it. And it's just finding massive numbers of players on Xbox and PC. Games just have the, that ability to continue to grow. We want to make sure that our games are part of the Xbox um, are one of the strongest parts of the Xbox of what Xbox is all about. Um, so this is a, so, so I, I appreciate the diversity thing he's talking about where he's like, Hey, listen, man, it, you know, you look at someone like PlayStation and their whole model is built upon like, you're going to buy PlayStation hardware and you're going to buy PlayStation software. But if the market changes and people don't want to buy hardware anymore, PlayStation should have luck. Cause that's what they make. Or if the market changes, everyone wants subscription based gaming or free to play gaming. PlayStation's fucked because they make games that cost $70. But what he's saying is the way they're diversifying their setup, their their uh, business is by having Game Pass. So people want to stream and, 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 and subscribe can do that. And having a la carte game sales. So people who want to buy their games traditionally can do that. And having the ability to play Xbox on a console or stream it from your phone. So people don't have to buy the box and can still give Xbox money. So I get that. It, it, it makes sense that you want to diversify that way, especially in a world where no matter what, your your console just doesn't sell better. And like I've said a million times before, I think the number one thing that's eating into Xbox's market share isn't even necessarily PlayStation. I think it's PC. I think it's people on PC are buying Xbox games and subscribing to Game Pass and not buying Xboxes. And that's probably a big reason why the Xbox Series consoles aren't selling as well as the Xbox One generation. Not because they're worse consoles or because Xbox is a worse brand today, but because... Xbox's synergy with the PC uh, space has just been so damn good that a lot of people feel totally satiated engaging with Xbox strictly via the PC. And, you know, that's why we see Game Pass subscriber numbers going up so much is because PC. That and because they transferred Xbox Live subscribers into Game Pass subscribers. Um, all right, continuing onward, uh, Tom Warren asks, 
if the goal is more people playing games and more people discovering them, why just these four games and not more? You say you want to learn more from these, but surely if there's huge, if they're hugely successful and you'll, and you'll see more people are playing them, then you'll do more games in the future, right? Phil Spencer says, yeah, but we haven't seen that yet. We're obviously one of the biggest publishers on PlayStation and Nintendo today. When you think about Activision Blizzard, Bethesda lineup of games, Minecraft. So we know what it means to ship games on Steam, PlayStation, Nintendo, and Xbox already. These are games that originally launched on Xbox. They were Xbox branded games that we want to see what happens because going and doing that development work to bring them to new platforms is real work. We want to make sure that the return makes sense. We want to make sure that the audience that is there also has an appetite. Maybe they don't. So that's interesting. So he's talking about, you know, Minecraft, Call of Duty. These are games that were already multi-plat, but bringing a game like Pentiment or Sea of Thieves or Hi-Fi Rush, these are games that weren't made for PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. So you had to build Switch and PlayStation versions of these games and see if that time and money is worth it. And if the PlayStation player base will bite on a game that was built by an Xbox team for Xbox, associated exclusively as Xbox, and then brought to PlayStation, as opposed to a game like Minecraft Legends or Minecraft Dungeons, which are two games that were just brought to PlayStation day one along with all the other platforms or games like Minecraft or Call of Duty, which were always third-party games and then eventually acquired by Xbox. So they have a different kind of association. I guess they're trying to say is they want to test the the level of association with Xbox to how the games perform on other platforms because with games like Fallout 76 and Elder Scrolls Online and Call of Duty and all that, they see how games that already existed and then they acquired perform and then with games like minecraft legends and um um psychonauts 2 which they were contractually obligated to get that game on playstation and all that stuff they get to see how games that are xbox but launch multi-platform from the start perform and now they're going to see how a game that is inherently xbox but then retroactively made multi-platform how that performs so i get it from that perspective it's a new angle they've yet to explore but we do know a lot of how this how this plays, and it, it usually works pretty well for you. I think Hi-Fi Rush is going to be quite a success on PlayStation, and on Switch in particular. All right, um, next question, Tom Warren asks, you mentioned that Starfield and Indiana Jones are not part of the, play, uh, the four games, despite rumors, but will those games ever come to PS5? Can you rule that out? This is a great question, especially that can you rule that out part. And Phil says... I don't think we should, as an industry, ever rule out a game going to another platform or focus on these four games and learning from that experience. Huh. That tells us a lot. But I don't want to create the false expectation on those platforms that this is somehow our first four games to get over the dam and then the dam's going to open that everything else is going to come. That's not what our plan is today. I don't know. I, I read that as... That, that one's a good one because I, I read that one as like, hey... I read that one as like, no, we can't say no because I think you'd be surprised how how fast we could get Starfield and Indiana Jones and Blade, which, by the way, was never announced as an Xbox-only game, um, running on other platforms if need be because they, they still have that on a break glass in case of emergency. Um, and and I, I think they don't want to admit it because it's still a possibility. These games are still... Just because right now Starfield and Gears and Indiana Jones aren't coming to playstation and switch doesn't mean that the conversation isn't still ha being had and that the possibility isn't still there and i think by him being so like shy about this one not being able to be like yeah we're not we're not putting our most our most core games on playstation says that yes there's still absolutely opportunity and possibility that these games come to playstation in the future we just can't talk about that right now that's clearly what that means um uh, tom warren asks obviously you saw 
the Xbox fan reaction in some rumors, people worried about the digital library, the future of the console. How are you going to keep those fans? How are you going to keep the ecosystem alive? Phil says, I always take feedback from our fans very seriously. We're coming out of December when we had the highest engagement ever in the console history. More players than we've ever had. I know it's a fictitious uh, world where people think that the one exclusive game kind of kicks off the sales of a platform, but the industry doesn't really work that way today. We've made commitments and uh, recognized and respected uh, and respecting the library of games where people have purchased on, um, on our platform. I think we have a good track record with our backwards compatibility play anywhere in PC and console entitlement. We had to buy a game from us when you talked about future hardware and where we're going to build compatibility and library support. So we just kind of fundamentally for us think about um, our plans here. So we're very, very committed to that. So he's basically saying is no matter what, all your Xbox purchases are always available on PC um, Game Pass will always, uh, you know, always exist as like a streaming option and a subscription option. So if Xbox hardware were to go away, hey, at least, you know, thanks to Xbox Play Anywhere and backwards compatibility, you still have your PC, you still have your phone, you still have apps, you still have t- smart TVs. So the box isn't the only way to respect and bring forward someone's someone's library and many years of dedication to Xbox should that ever go away. Not that we're saying that that's going to happen or we're planning on that. That's kind of what that reads to me. Um, and again, that's what they were saying earlier was talking about like cross save and cross progression. It's like, yeah, these are kind of like features that we take for granted, but like, come on, man. That's not the reason people are buying. No one's buying an Xbox. Cause like, oh, I just really love the backwards compatible. Well, I'm sure backwards compatibility sold some Xboxes, but people aren't going to be like, Oh, well it's just the cloud save and the cross platform play and Xbox play anywhere. It's like, no man, people are either buying your fucking PlayStation for the games and cause it's PlayStation or they're buying your Xbox for the games or because of Game Pass. Like, let's just be honest about what it is, man. Okay, next one, Tom Warren says, Microsoft used the, uh, to track the success of Xbox or at least an executive compensation based on Game Pass. And that switched to content and services revenue. Can you tell me what changed and how does this overall impact um, how Microsoft tracks the success of Xbox internally? So this is important because remember Satya Nadella's um, bonuses and everything were tied to subscription service performance, including Game Pass. And then they decoupled that. Investors agreed to decouple that or the board agreed to decouple that. Um, Phil says, it doesn't change how we're tracking success. Revenue that we make on other platforms will be part of the content services revenue as it is today. Minecraft on PlayStation counts as part of our content services revenue. In terms of the way it shifted, I think it's important that we were kickstarting Game Pass that we were discreetly focused on trying something new. In the end, I know there's a lot of people who believe it, and I still say it's our goal. Our, our goal is to not make everyone a Game Pass subscriber. I've said many times, maybe 10 to 15% of our content services revenue is subscriber revenue. It's good business for us today, Game Pass, but in no way is there a plan to say, okay, everyone needs to become a Game Pass subscriber. If someone wants to play free-to-play, if someone wants to buy their games, and they're happy doing that, we're totally happy. We went into content services because it's actually more more reflective now than Game Pass is kind of now that Game Pass is kind of at a scale where it's sustainable, profitable as a business for us. That's them again saying sustainable and profitable Game Pass is for them. I don't know about that. We don't have that to kind of uh, we don't have a discrete focus on just Game Pass. We should really just think about the health and overall business of Xbox, which is people buying games, subscribing to games, buying items and games, and then things like that on the platform drive the business. So I feel like he's kind of skirting around the question a little bit where he's just talking about a diverse portfolio or diverse revenue stream through different avenues and stuff like that. 
don't know. I just, I, it, it just seems like he starts to talk about something unrelated to the question in a way where he said, where he talks about how it doesn't change anything, but he doesn't talk specifically about how it's tracked now. That's based on content and services revenue and not on game pass, you know, specifically. Um, and so, I mean, it seems like they've lowered the bar for them to reach these numbers in a way because their initial goal of having 100 million Game Pass subscribers by 2030 is clearly not on track to happen. And by re by redefining your goals and your and what you're trying to succeed in order to meet metrics and please the board and please shareholders and get um, CEOs and other executives their bonuses, you know, it's like they, they just found an easier route to do that in a way is what that sounds like. So I don't know, man. Um, I, my, my bigger takeaway and the thing that matters more, I think for consumers is this whole game pass sustainability and, and profitability thing where I don't believe game pass is profitable and sustainable right now, but Xbox keeps insinuating it is. I hope I'm wrong and that they're right because I want game pass to be profitable and sustainable so that we have even more reason to believe that the Xbox brand is fine. I just want Xbox to be financially well and stable enough and successful enough that they can continue to make hardware without upper Microsoft getting involved and being like, why are we wasting our time with this? We don't need to be doing this. The problem, the problem is it's a double-edged sword because the better and better Xbox does, the bigger they get, you know, i.e. acquiring Activision, the more and more of the people that matter at Microsoft are going to start paying attention to Xbox. And that's part of the problem here that they're getting too big. Um, next up, Tom Warren says, ultimately I'm correct. Am I correct in thinking that you'd prefer to have another Minecraft or another power world situation than another X amount of game pass subscribers? That success of multi-platform game is proven out in the revenue from Minecraft. That's a successful game. To which Phil says, I tell you honestly, running that business, having the diversity of business models is what's working pretty critical. Uh, the one thing I'll see about Game Pass subscribers and the revenue is consistent. You can look at it, it's growing. You can see its growth and you can know um, plus or minus what's going to be the next month and the month after that. So it's like steady, reliable, predictable money. In a business that's very hit-driven, you get Power World out of left field and does incredibly well. And then you have other games that don't. We love it, obviously, when Hogwarts Legacy comes out, or Power World, or Elden Ring comes out and does really well. I like the fact that we get a mixed uh, a mix of things happening in our business. Our business model is not just about hardware; it's also about first party game sales and a diverse business model that leads to do business success we're seeing today. So, again, saying that we like the diverse thing. Obviously, we love when we get a hit like Minecraft or Power World, but ultimately, we love we love spreading the love. And I and I believe that. I believe that it is important for the company to feel like they have multiple ways of making money that are all doing well. So that when one changes, when there's a huge shift in the industry and one method is no longer commonplace, you have the other things to lean on while you pivot and figure out what you need to go do next to keep up with the times. I, I get that. And I agree with that. And I buy that, but yeah, it just seems like they're really harping on that. Um, then he asks about hardware and he says, Anything to say about those leaked FTC documents from last year? Phil Spencer plays Koi and says, I don't know about any leaks. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then um, Tom says, well, you said that there were old plans. So what's happening there? Is that what you're teasing? Referring to Sarah Bond in the podcast saying um, Xbox hardware that is coming out later this year that we can stay tuned for more about. Matt Booty talks about how, of course, we'll have our Xbox Summer Showcase this June. So you assume we'll learn about this hardware there. Well, Phil, Phil Spencer responds and laughs and says, we'll talk about things that are coming up. I will say I'm very proud of the work that the hardware team is doing, not only for this year, but also into the future. We're really thinking about creative creating hardware that sells uh, to gamers because of the unique aspects of the hardware. It's kind of like unleashing the creative capability of our hardware team. And I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about that, too, because the rumors suggest that the Surface team is working on Xbox hardware. 
Um, does that involve a handheld? You keep looking, uh, you keep liking loads of tweets about handhelds. Phil Spencer says, I'm a big fan of handhelds. I'm a big fan, but there's nothing to announce. Okay. So clearly they're working on new hardware. I think this mobile device thing is happening or at least some kind of device that is different. Some kind of device that, that is more than just a traditional box with a controller. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if they're bringing back connect or there's a, a docked system. That's kind of like a switch or what the case might be, but clearly I don't think it's the hardware we're getting later this year. I think that's just an all-digital Series X like was originally planned and a new controller. But it seems pretty obvious that for the next generation of Xbox in two years from now in 2026, we're clearly going to get at least one SKU of console that is something creative and different that we've never seen from Xbox. And that's super exciting, very exciting. And, that, and that's really the news that like instilled a lot of hope in me that Xbox is going to continue on the way I know and love it for at least a little while longer. Um, you know, it was never about is Xbox going to stop making hardware tomorrow. It's just about like, are we getting closer to the future where Xbox stops making hardware and starts um, investing more in just streaming and trying to get Game Pass on competitor platforms and things like that. And that's that's the concern. It's like the longer we can sustain the traditional you buy an Xbox hardware piece. You download some games, you play video games on your Xbox using an Xbox controller through your Xbox account plugged all into your TV. The longer we can keep that going, the more it can just feel live. So that's that's what we're shooting for here, right? All right. He says, on the mobile side of things, you talked about Xbox having a mobile store. The potential for that. Is that still happening? What's the status for that? Phil says, there are three sides to that. There's regulatory work and the ability to install another app on an Android or iPhone, which is not done yet. Uh, we're actively engaging in Digital Marketing Act, which is which happens to uh, be able to make that possible. And then there's building a store, which we have experience doing in the past, so we know how to get that done. And then there's discussion with our first-party partners about the business opportunities. There's a lot of excitement for alternative storefronts, uh, mobile devices that can offer better economics and more, let's say, gamer-first because it's going to ha be an Xbox store, and that's where we would put it there. Um, we're able to drive engagement on the store because we now own big things like Candy Crush, Call of Duty, Diablo Immortal, Minecraft. So, yeah, this this is a great point, too, is because gaming on mobile, in part, sucks so much ass because the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store are terrible storefronts for video games. They have video games. They have good video games, but they're terrible storefronts for that. And having an Xbox curated storefront would be a great way to have a place to find pretty much only good games and so i agree with that but it's it seems like they're working through a lot of regulatory stuff and he goes in to talk about how a lot of it is 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 you know they're working with apple and that some of what apple's doing is making things frustrated and and and, and setting them back but they're working on it and that they're going to continue to support companies like google and epic for fighting against apple and things like that all right the last question he asked i told you this is a long one this, this is there's just so much he had here the last question we're going to touch on today, though, because I did cut some of the stuff out. Um, he says, with more Xbox games coming to PlayStation and Switch, what is Xbox to Microsoft now? I think this is a great question and a really good question. Phil says, Xbox is our gaming platform and, our con and content business. That's vague. It's the number one consumer business that Microsoft has. I think you might have commented on looking at the quarter's earnings. We now are with the third largest business in the company, Xbox is, within Microsoft. It's an important business. It's a consumer category and is driven by technology and creativity. It's a partner-led business for us, so we get the feedback and interaction with some of the world's best creators. It's been amazing to support, and this company uh, has given this business over the past five or six years. Honestly, sounds so cheesy for me to say it, but I never have been this excited as I am right now about the opportunity ahead for us. Yeah, but I also bet you're nervous as shit about it. Yeah, so I don't know, man. 
it, it seems like at the end of the day, Microsoft wants at the very least for you to walk away saying nothing is changing. Everything's fine. Xbox is going to continue to be the Xbox. I knew it was before all these rumors started. The only difference is a couple of games are coming to PlayStation and switch soon. It's probably some smaller games like hi-fi rush and sea of thieves and grounded and pentiment, but it still is a slippery slope. And I think that is the key takeaway, right? It's awesome that we're getting more Xbox hardware. We're getting some kind of refinement or revision of an Xbox Series X this year, it seems like. We're getting some kind of new controller, it seems like. Uh, and then we're getting a new generation of Xbox in two years with some creative new hardware, which is all super exciting. It seems like Sarah Bond, Matt Booty, and Phil Spencer are all doubling down, tripling down, and really defending their vision for the platform, which I'm a huge fan of that vision, and I am here to support it and continue to champion it from the sidelines and want to see it grow and continue. That's great. I think at the end of the day, it can all be boiled down to one thing. You bring Pentiment to PlayStation, no big deal. You put Hi-Fi Rush on Nintendo Switch, no big deal. You put Sea of Thieves on PlayStation 5, the game's six years old now, who cares, whatever. That's great. Hopefully, they inject some new life into the game that no one cares. It's fine. We just don't want it to be a, a continuous slippery slope. Then then it announces a new Doom game, and you're like, well, that's also going to be on PlayStation because some of the other Doom games have been on PlayStation. It's like, okay. And then it's like, hey, that new Blade game, we still haven't confirmed platforms for it. That's because it's coming to PlayStation. Marvel wants us to put that on PlayStation. Okay, that's bad. Men, before you know it, it's like, and we're putting Indiana Jones on there as well. All right, we're going to put the Master Chief Collection and a Gears of War Marcus Phoenix Collection on PlayStation. But don't worry, the latest Halo game, the latest Gears of War game will only be on Xbox. And then it just, it just keeps getting progressively worse. And that's, I think, the fear. And when you do things like this, I think it gives a lot of credibility to those fears. It tells people that you're not wrong for being worried about these kinds of things. And I think that's really all it boils down to at the end of the day. Was there some overreaction last week? Yeah, I guess so. But we were getting really reliable rumors from really reliable sources about things that I still believe were being thrown around and discussed. I, I don't think for a single fucking second that someone made up Starfield coming to PlayStation for attention. I don't think someone made up Gears of War coming to PlayStation for attention. I think these are actual ideas that have either been developed, talked around, kicked around, requested from upper management to Xbox, whatever the case may be. I think these are real things that have almost happened before. And I want to see that stuff nipped in the bud because, not because I want to stop PlayStation players from enjoying Xbox games, because simply I just want to preserve Xbox for as long as possible. I love that Xbox is trying to expand horizons, get new players via streaming, mobile, PC. Those avenues are working for them. They're growing because of those things because even though they only have 20-something million Xbox Series consoles sold, they have 34 million Game Pass subscribers. That's great. It means Game Pass is succeeding. That's the new product. It means people are coming in through the, game, through the PC and through mobile. And I love all that. And I can accept and embrace all of that. I'm playing Go Mecha Go or whatever, that, that game on Game Pass right now. I keep streaming it to my Xbox a little bit every night, 20 minutes before bed every night. Having a blast. The stream quality has been great. It's the best it's ever been. And I'm streaming it on my old Xbox One up in my bedroom. I'm not even using the Series X. My Xbox One, streaming this game, great. I believe in all that and I support all that. I'm just worried about the slippery slope. And the more you, you throw PlayStation or Nintendo Switch a bone here or there, the more you leave that door cracked open for someone to fucking stick their foot in, bust that door down and say, Halo, Starfield, Gears of War, Forza, put them all on PlayStation. 
It's not going to happen overnight, but every time you, you give PlayStation a Pentiment, every time you give PlayStation a Hi-Fi Rush, we're one step closer to that alternate history where no one buys Xbox hardware anymore, so they don't make the box anymore. And all the Halo games are on PlayStation. And it's just weird and scary, and it's not what we want to see happen. So that that is really all there is to take away from it. I, I think some of the concern and the fear and the doubt that was expressed last week was incredibly justifiable and warranted. I think some of the man-children out there being like, it is over, hashtag gamers. It's time to abandon ship and full steam ahead to PC. Choo-choo, we're out of here, Xbox gamers. You know, it's like, calm the fuck down. Like, you're 40 years old. What are you doing with your life, you know, to some of those guys? But I don't know. I think the general fear, concern, and just, and just you know, distrust and and lack of confidence people were expressing and Xbox as a brand and Phil Spencer and his team as, as a leadership group. I think a lot of that was justified. So a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B is Xbox on the path to be doomed. Not necessarily. Were people overreacting a little bit? Can Xbox continue to survive for many, 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 many more years, hopefully more, many more generations. God, I hope so. You know, but it just it just it depends on a lot of things, and I don't think slowly bringing games over to other platforms is the best way to go about it. Xbox App Store on iOS and Android, I love that idea. Game Pass on iOS and Android, I love that idea. Uh, growing Game Pass and streaming and all that on PC, I love that idea. Bringing Halo and Starfield and Gears of War and Indiana Jones to to, to PlayStation, that that's too far. So that, that's really where it all comes down to. All right, I want to just wrap up this week with uh, Stephen Totillo, who also had an interview with Phil Spencer, but this is much shorter, much more succinct, much more to the point, and it talks about some different things. So we get some different type, bits of information. So this is from GameFiles.News. Um, Stephen Totillo wrote this, and again, another really reliable, good reporter. And so I just want to read this. I, I edited some of it out, so it's just a couple paragraphs here, but... um. I'm just going to read this. Microsoft is naming is not naming the, the four games um, that are migrating off the Xbox platform today, but GameFiles expects the four games to be Rare's 2020 multiplayer pirate game, Sea of Thieves. It's not 2020. That game came out in what? 2018? 2017? 2018? Anyway, Rare's multiplayer pirate game, Sea of Thieves, Tango Gameworks 2023 rhythm combat game, Hi-Fi Rush, and two games from Obsidian. With the 2022 medieval murder mystery Pentiment, as well as the studio's multiplayer survival adventure, Grounded. All of them, um, all are from Microsoft's first-party studios. Quote in parentheses, he says, I'm less clear about which of those games will come to PlayStation, which will come to Nintendo Switch. Announcements are not too far away per Microsoft. I reported back on January 8th that Sea of Thieves was planned for PlayStation. <clears throat> Continuing on, Spencer told me in an interview ahead of the podcast released today, that the year or longer gap between releases on Xbox and PC and on rival consoles uh, for the first four of these games isn't meant to indicate anything about the company's strategy with porting other future games. He says, quote, I don't know what's going to happen when we ship these four games on other platforms. Like, what is the return on investment to port them to other platforms? And what if we find a community there for those games? Is it going to make sense? Spencer acknowledged to me that people might wonder what Microsoft is promising for future games, to which he says, we've said it from the beginning of even the post-deal announcement, Bethesda Roundtable, where we took on 
a kind of case-by-case basis. We're really focused on the best thing for the Xbox business, inclusive of platform, hardware, and games. So still talking about what's the best thing for the platform. And in that and in that case, I don't know, man. I just don't ever see how the best thing for the platform is to take that game and put it on the competitor's platform. Unless the only thing I the only thing I can see beneficial in doing that is if you make it abundantly clear to PlayStation gamers, like, hey, this game you're playing is an Xbox Game Pass game. If you have Xbox, you can get this game included in Game Pass. Or, hey, if you have Game Pass, you can get this game through that subscription service on your PC or through mobile or whatever. So, unless that's what Sea of Thieves is going to say when you boot up the game or something like that, I don't really see the the clear benefit of putting these games on on PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, other than just the surefire, cheap, short-term gain of, yeah, we sold some additional copies of this game because we ported it to a platform where people didn't already have access to it. But I, 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 I think it's all but confirmed, really, which four games it's going to be. And I'm curious to see how they continue this. These four games I can deal with. Sea of Thieves, Impentiment, and grounded in particular. Hi-Fi Rush is a little bit of an underwhelming one, but I think that's just because that's one of those games that did so well critically and did well on Game Pass, but didn't do well sales-wise, and they want to probably make some a la carte sales. And I think Hi-Fi Rush is particularly a good fit for the Nintendo Switch, so I, I get that one. That one I'm the, the least secure about, but I get it. So we'll see... I think we'll get these games announced in the coming weeks and things will be fine and, and, and we'll have that clarity. But I'm curious to see what they do, namely with Blade, because that game was announced without a platform. And I'm curious to see what they do, what they have to say once Starfield reaches its one year anniversary, where the DLC is out. And we've seen how some of these other games have fared after being ported over. So let's let's revisit this conversation, you know, unless we hear anything else between now and then. But let's certainly make sure we revisit this discussion when Starfield gets its big expansion and is a year old and all that. Because I think there's a possibility for games like that to come back into this kind of conversation around that time. But guys, that's going to do it for all the major news this week. Uh, Real quick, let's round out with some smaller news stories, including the layoffs of the week, unfortunately. Uh, Disco Elysium Studio ZAUM is set to lay off around a quarter of its staff and has also canceled a Disco Elysium expansion, according to a new report. Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick says that the company has no current plans for layoffs despite the launch of, uh, of a new strategy in order to uh, cost-cut at the company. Um, and then Embracer Group, in its ongoing restructuring, has uh, resulted in the company signing 1,400 job losses overall, or about 8% of its global workforce, but they have confirmed that there will be more layoffs as things move forward. The company also announced that it's implementing a restructuring plan, which would involve the closure of studios and the cancellation of projects. During its first fiscal quarter, they announced 153 games in development have been uh, have, have basically been cut. The number fell from 153 to 138. Sorry. Sorry, let me back up. During the fiscal quarter ending in June, they had 153 unannounced projects in development, but that number fell to 138 in the second quarter, and now it's down to 124 in the third quarter ending in December. So they have canceled like 28 games or something like that already. All right, next up, getting away from the layoffs and, and, and sad news, Xbox has a new February system update, which is pretty promising. Headlining the update um, is the ability to add touch controls for Xbox remote play, 
Um, elsewhere, there's a new thumbstick recalibration tool for Xbox wireless controllers, plus improved filtering for sorting through games and apps. I'm really excited for that calibration tool for thumbsticks because one of my controllers has a messed up thumbstick. And I think it's just broken, but we'll see if recalibrating it can maybe help. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Next up, Windows Central reports, Xbox Japan has recently announced via X that Tales of Arise will still be enjoying Xbox's gigantic library of Game Pass games. According to their announcement, as translated by Google, Tales of Arise will be added to Game Pass on February 20th, 2024. So next week, that, there were rumors about it coming to Game Pass, and then it didn't happen, and now it's happening. So that's, that's cool. It's a nice surprise. Next up, VGC reports Ubisoft Estate Assassin's Creed codename Red will be released at the end of March 2025 as part of a report of its third quarter sales for fiscal year 2024. Publishers confirmed that the game will be released within fiscal year 2025 between April 2024 and March 2025. Company also confirms that Star Wars Outlaws will be released at the end of the year. Next up, from software owner Katakawa has purchased Japanese developer studio Acquire for an undisclosed sum of money. The Tokyo-based studio is the developer behind Square Enix's Octopath Traveler games, as well as Tenchu, Way of the Samurai. It was founded in 1994 and employs 148 people, according to their website. Next up, and finally, VGC says that Take-Two publisher, private uh, publishing label, Private Division has delayed No Rest for the Wicked, the upcoming action RPG from developer in Moon Studios. While it's previously due to hit Steam in early access in the first quarter of the year, it will now arrive in the second quarter of the year, and at some point will arrive on PC and Xbox series, although a date has not been announced. That is going to do it for all of our news this week. You guys, we've made it to the end of the podcast. Again, sorry for the things we had to get cut. Um, I just can't believe we lost like an hour of recording. Uh, but I appreciate you bearing with me. And next week, we will get back to our regular layout for the show. And it will be back to our regular Thursday release uh, cadence. But let's end out this podcast with my favorite segment, the best segment, the comments, the shout outs from YouTube.com. You know how it works. You go over to YouTube.com slash the Xbox on podcast. Click on the latest episode of the podcast and drop a comment in the comments section. You can say anything nice, anything mean, and anything in between. I don't really give a shit. You just free reign, say whatever you want. We got a bunch of you that wrote in regarding last week and the big news and just kind of feeling out how the audience feels regarding everything happening in Xbox right now. To which the OG Mamajama dead Captain James wrote in and said the following. I think the writing is on the wall for traditional consoles. Xbox is changing whether fans are ready or not. I can't help but think that once again, Xbox is pushing the future a bit uh, too early like they do with everything and it will backfire. Perception is most often more important than the reality and perception is that Xbox is dying and will be dead. I have a feeling it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mike Clark responds to this and says, I do believe the writing is on the wall for Xbox consoles. They're only one of the big, they are the only one of the big three that are losing market share. To be honest, it is their own fault to which Xbox NL 3180 wrote in. And I don't, I think this is a first time commenter. I don't recognize this, this writer. So thank you for writing in says, this is not Xbox. This is Microsoft. And that is very different from the Xbox division. Even though Xbox is part of Microsoft this coming week, Microsoft will determine the future. And we'll bring, of course we just learned about that. They don't even know about the Xbox division and what's going on. This is pure Microsoft people that don't game. So I was definitely more inclined to agree with Xbox NL in this um, in this instance with that kind of um, with that kind of uh, uh, outlook on it. But Dead Captain James is definitely speaking some truth to an ongoing issue that I would say is actually it stems much larger than Xbox. This is a Microsoft issue in general where they are just 
always too early to things. DRM, always online, a, a fucking camera that tracks you. Uh, I mean, that goes into Microsoft at large. They did tablets in like the 90s and then no one gave a shit. And then iPad happened and then Surface happened and then no one cared about Surface relative to how much people cared about iPad. And, you know, they were they were early to the phone game multiple times with different Windows type phone projects. And then then they weren't early enough when smartphones happened and then they were too late with Windows Phone. And this is just an ongoing thing with with Microsoft all the time. And I think it's true. I think I think the writing is on the wall for traditional consoles, not just for Xbox, but for everyone. I mean, this is this is PlayStation's fate as well. Let's be honest. Um, if there's I, I think if anyone has the ability to just stay in the console space for an unusually long amount of time, I think it's Nintendo. Honestly, I think that, you know, because they 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 appeal to young kids and they can always have their kind of like toy slant kind of Disney thing that they have going on. By the end of the day, we will reach a point where, regardless of whether or not it's Xbox or PlayStation, everyone's going to want to stream content from the cloud to their computer, to their TV, to their iPad, to their phone, whatever it is. And that's going to be everyone's fate. It's just, I think Xbox is more cognizant and more publicly prepping for that inevitability, whereas PlayStation is probably prepping behind closed doors, but publicly trying to act like nothing's happening and i do think it is destroying the perception of xbox to some extent and dead captain james i think what you're saying definitely touches on that but yeah it's a little bit of microsoft pushing them to go too fast too soon into a place that they don't have to go it's a little bit of an an inevitability and uh it's all around I, i think everyone's kind of right here in that xbox's perception their image their brand is taking a hit as a result of all of this. And that's the big unfortunate loss here. All right. Dan 14 writes in and says, and thank you for writing in Dan. It's been, a, it's been a while. I've written a couple times. I appreciate seeing you again. It says get all the games on other platforms for crying out loud, having one home console box and end the stupid, having one home console box and end the stupid console wars for good has got to be a good thing. Gears has been dead for half a decade. Halo as well. Hi-Fi Rush? It's just not a big deal. Give me one place that isn't my PC that I can play everything with everyone. That's gaming. Dan, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you want that. Uh, I, I think the variety is good. I, I'm sorry. I just I, I can't I can't personally agree with this at, at all. I, I I understand what you're saying. Um, in regards to like Halo not being as big as it once was, Gears has been dead for half a decade. Absolutely, these are these are franchises that are past their prime. That's 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 fine and that's true. But hey, there if there's anything Hollywood has taught me, Dan, in the past 10, 15 years of my life, it is that there are a lot of things that should be dead and gone that just keep fucking coming back, and they somehow make money and they somehow justify their existence. Bro, we just got a fucking trilogy of new Jurassic Park movies that were textbook definition of unnecessary, but I'm not going to lie. I watched all three of them in the movie theater. I contributed to the problem. They made millions of dollars off those fucking movies. So I guess uh, in a way, maybe maybe uh, Microsoft is a little Hollywood with some of their franchises. Yeah, PlayStation would have moved on from a, a franchise like Gears of War and then gone and made a Spider-Man game or, or something like that. But I don't care. You know, I don't I don't care that some people think Gears of War is dead or is kind of a dated franchise. Like, I fucking love Gears of War. 
I thought Gears 5 was the best Gears of War yet. And guess what? Gears of War 4 and 5 made money and were popular and, and, and got good reviews and great feedback overall from players. So did they light the world on fire? Were they the freaking water cooler games that Gears of War 1 and 2 and 3 were? Absolutely not. But were they great games that made money and really entertained and pleased players like myself? Yeah, absolutely. So I disagree. It's like if, if you don't like games like Gears, if you don't like games like Halo, if Hi-Fi Rush doesn't do it for you, that's fine to each their own. But like that's Xbox, baby. Like what, what the fuck are you doing here? If you don't like these games? I mean, I, 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 I've seen a couple of you guys over, over the years through the comments that, that don't like some of these big tentpole Xbox franchises. And again, that, that's totally fucking fine. Who cares? I love Disney, but I don't give a shit about star Wars and they keep buying other things I don't care about. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a diehard national geographic fan. Now I'm not gonna get a fucking zebra tattooed on my chest just because I love Epcot center. So I, I get it. The thing, the, the brand you love or the thing you love or the thing you're ingratiated with might uh, be associated with things you, you don't care about necessarily, but like, I don't know, man, like I, I you, can't, you can't tell me that having everything consolidated down to one box is a good thing. That's like saying oh, people just need a car to get from, get from their house to go to work and back. They just need to be able to take their kids to school, Ford, Chevy, Toyota, Honda, Citron through, I threw in a European brand for you in case, uh, in case it's a little more relatable, whatever the case may be, they can all fucking merge into one mega corporation. And we can just have one car to rule them all. It's like, I, yeah, I mean, I guess that fucking sucks, but we could do that. If you want a future that sucks ass, like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I said it last week, like if PlayStation was the only platform I'd happily play on PlayStation, but having the option to do Xbox or PlayStation is way better than just one of them. So why wouldn't you be championing the existence of an option versus no option or, or two options versus one, I suppose. I don't know. Dan, thank you for writing in. Thank you for being here. I hope you're having a wonderful week and please, for the love of God, do yourself a favor and go watch the entire Jurassic, uh, Jurassic world trilogy, because apparently they were good enough to get, how much is the movie ticket? $15? 15 bucks? Like $45 out of me or something? Across three movies? What the fuck? They were fine. They were fine. I thought the second one was pretty good, actually. They were fine. Calm down. All right. Mike Clark's coming back. Because, guys, you, you got to understand, Cronky and Mike Clark are basically single-handedly, like, keeping this podcast alive. You Like, if you, if, if you didn't recognize the names, you'd be like, damn, you got a lot of people writing in your podcast. But then you realize it's, like, two people writing in seven times a week. So... Listen, they're, they're, they're buffing the fucking show. They're making it look way bigger than it is. Mike Clark writes in and says, either way, doesn't matter. Because though all Microsoft has demonstrated is that they're actually worse at managing the Xbox brand now than they were at the height of Matrix Day, they killed any passion, brand identity, and really any interest in the brand and turned it into Microsoft My Video Game 24 365 Home Edition. I like that. Um, but it also doesn't matter because it manages to not suck or openly offend either. Uh, great show and have a great week. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little extreme. People saying that like like they killed the brand or whatever. It's like they definitely caused some damage. And, and I think Microsoft has been consistently doing that. They're, the Microsoft is, Xbox in particular, is very one step forward, two step back about a lot of things these days. And it's just, yeah, I mean, for every, for every fucking win, there's just some controversy that's strung along with it. And so I agree with that. They've, they've damaged the brand. They've, they've, put some heat on their backs where they didn't need to, but I wouldn't say killed it. All right. Cronky writes in with a little bit of an essay and then we got a couple wrap ups. All right, here we go. Crack snuckles. Uh, I got to push back against you a little, and this is a hard argument to make. 
in a short comment, but I'll try. You mentioned that you won't buy a PlayStation game since their games, or sorry, you won't buy a PlayStation 5 since their games come to PC as well. As an argument against the delayed Xbox first party launch on PlayStation, um, the reason this argument sounds good to you is because you were always a reluctant PlayStation purchaser, trying to play the two exclusive games a generation that appealed to you, but you still buy an Xbox and all their games come to PC. So clearly there's more to the picture. So yes, in doing a delayed launch on PlayStation, Microsoft is giving up a small 2% of the market that's like you or me who are reluctantly purchasing an opposing console when they didn't want to just so they could play a couple of exclusives. But they gain so much more in software sales. I think this is less of them giving up console gaming and more an acceptance that they are not always going to win over people from their preferred platform. And I 100% agree with them on this part. They will not win over people from PlayStation, and Game Pass has never had the potential to do that anyway. This all comes down to us being worried that the strategy will backfire and the console sales will drop to zero, and that the brand will cease to exist and just be replaced by Microsoft Gaming Division that is poorly and its poorly managed studios. I get that, and I'm with you, but I don't think that there is a precedent for this fear to be taken so seriously. Uh, unless they do a day one launch on PS5, then it's probably over. I... Point taken, and I agree, but the reason I don't completely say this is a one-to-one argument is because Xbox has to worry not about, you, you say that Xbox, like, um, okay, you say that this this is about giving up the 2% that would buy an Xbox just to have as a secondary platform to play Halo or Gears of War in favor of all the software sales you get from putting these games on PlayStation. But I'm not so much worried about or talking about that as I am talking about the notion of existing Xbox hardware owners not purchasing the next Xbox in favor of the next PlayStation or selling their Xbox in favor of a PlayStation 5 or having both platforms and then ceasing to to utilize and support their Xbox because now their PlayStation has become a one-stop shop. That is the concern because, and I say this because there's a difference between Xbox putting their games on PlayStation or on, on, on PC and PlayStation putting their games on PC. Those are very different from Xbox putting their games on PlayStation or PlayStation putting their games on Xbox. Does that make sense? Because the way the pool is generally looked at is there's about 200 million console gamers out there. And the Xbox and PlayStation platforms get to fight over selling consoles to those 200 million people. The people on PlayStation are not part of that pool of 200 million people who buy console or or home consoles. I'm not even sure that the people who play on PC are part of the human census. They're, they're, they're robots, they're aliens, they're subhuman. So the idea of putting Xbox games on PC, does it cannibalize Xbox sales? Probably to like a, a negligible port, uh, amount. Does PlayStation putting games on PC cannibalize sales of PlayStation 5s? Yeah, it does. I'm one of the people, but it's probably a negligible percentage of people. However, Xbox putting games on PlayStation, that can cannibalize PlayStation. Why? Because someone who's inclined to buy an Xbox is the same kind of person with the sensibility who would buy a PlayStation, a console gamer. And that's when you start to cross paths. I will go out of my way to not play a game on PC. In fact, I have a comment I didn't use this week because 
I, I'm not talking about the games I've been playing because I, I lost an hour of the podcast. But someone wrote in saying that they they were disappointed that I didn't play Batman Arkham Knight on PC because it runs so much better, better frame rate, better resolution. Listen, I would rather fucking play Batman Arkham Knight on a motherfucking potato than play it on PC if I have the option to play it elsewhere. I can play Batman Arkham Knight on my Xbox Series X and it will not look as pretty or run as well as it does on PC, but at least I can sit in my living room on my couch and play Batman Arkham Knight and enjoy myself and unlock achievements as opposed to sitting in my fucking office chair like a fucking idiot hunched over my desk and my keyboard and mouse like clicking around at like Batman like I'm fucking true detective getting hunchback and looking like I'm writing a fucking report for school because I'm sitting on my 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 Windows computer instead of downstairs chilling out on my couch. There's a difference. Maybe it's unfounded, maybe it's a made up concern and worry. Absolutely, that could be true. But I think there's a huge difference between consoles supporting uh, cannibalizing their business by putting their content on the other consoles versus console manufacturers supporting the inevitable PC marketplace that is not going to buy your console. So I I don't know. That's 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 my response. That's all I can say about it. All right, let's do some wrap-ups. we got Mr. Maug and then Headhunting Halo. Mr. Maug wrote, wrote in and says, When you talked about Chick-fil-A last week, I thought you were going to talk about getting cheese sauce with your order and then dipping your sandwich in there. I love doing that. I don't know what cheese sauce is. Are you talking about like mac and cheese sauce? I, I wouldn't dip my sandwich in cheese sauce. I would try it if you gave me and made me try it. I would try it, but I wouldn't spend money to do that. Where, what is cheese sauce? They don't have that. You must be talking about the mac and cheese sauce. I don't know. I'm confused. I'm confused, Mr. Malk. Anyway, you said, I'm, oh, no, actually, fuck, man. This is the, this is the comment. You said, I'm disappointed that you didn't play Arkham Knight on PC. I wish you'd give it the resolution FPS boost for Xbox. I wish they'd give it uh, because, man, it, it is a pretty game when you actually get to see what it's supposed to look like. I can't believe you finished the game in a week. I finished it in like two or three weeks. Uh, I got the game when I was, uh, and I finished it in high school. And I still didn't finish it that quick. Uh, but then again, I did every single mission. Yeah, I, well, it took me like two, two and a half, three weeks to beat the game. And I am going to go back and do some side content eventually in it. But yeah, shit, I, I'm sorry. I cannibalized your comment by by assuming I didn't include it in the comments and then including it. I'm sorry, Mr. Malg. I, I fucked up. You can you can spank me twice. Um, although, judging by the fact that you were in high school and Batman Arkham, Arkham Knight came out, I think I would end up on a list because, uh, man, you're young. You're young. You're a child. Actually, no, you're not. I was in college when that game came out, so you're not that much younger. It's all good. Mr. Mag, we're getting older, we're dying, our hair is receding, but our hearts are young, and uh, we're Team Xbox, so we, we, we're going to live forever, right? Headhunting Halo writes us out with our final comment of the week with his beautiful fucking brute face, his little fucking Halo brute profile pic, and says, What the hell is going on? Why am I hearing all this bad news? Does this mean that Sony finally wins the console wars? I'm so sad. Somebody, anybody, tell me I am beautiful. Headhunting Halo, I don't need to tell you you're beautiful because you know you're beautiful, girl. You're so beautiful. You're all the songs about being beautiful rolled into one. You're Maroon 5. You're fucking One Direction and any other song about being beautiful. Headhunting Halo, you are the light of my life, and you're the only reason I do this podcast. Literally, everyone else who writes in, everyone else who participates and listens to the podcast is kind of fucking stupid, and I hate them. But you, Headhunting Halo, I don't hate you. I think you're hot. I think it's kind of cool that you wear the same pair of boxers two days in a row 
And when people ask uh, why it smells so bad, you say, because I'm saving the environment, because you do fewer loads of laundry. And I respect that about you. I also respect that when you go to Aldi, you stand by the shopping carts and wait for someone to return their cart and say, wait, can I use that? So that you don't have to use your own quarter to get a shopping cart. It's a little shitty that you do that, but it's very savvy. It's a great way to save some money. It's a great way to be just resourceful. And I think that's the thing about you, Headhunting Halo. If there's any way, one way I could describe you, it would be resourceful. You're a very resourceful man on the fact that you are a brute from Halo Infinite, uh, but you interact and behave just like a human. Uh, it's just astonishing. And you are beautiful inside and out. So have a wonderful day, Headhunting Halo. To everyone else, I hope you didn't hear that, but I love you all. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will be back Thursday, regular run of show, regular segments. Uh, Hopefully, we don't lose an hour of the podcast. Um, But hey, it's been a nice little up and down roller coaster, a little hard attack. I still have my concerns about what's going on at Xbox, what's going on with the future of them putting their games on different platforms. But all in all, I think... You know, things ended up being a little bit smoother than than maybe we initially thought last week, which is a good thing. I'd rather look a little ridiculous and be wrong than than have some bad shit happen, uh, because you know what? There's enough bad shit happening out there in the world. Last thing I need is is my 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 sanctuary, my respite from all the the tragedy of the world to be uh, taken from me. Xbox is is my is my happy place. So please, Xbox, please stop fucking up. Just just keep making awesome hardware. Keep making Halo sequels. Game Pass is great. We're good, man. Just keep it going. Keep the gravy train going. Please stop buying studios for the love of Christ. And until next week, everyone, be good, behave, be well, and uh, power your dreams. Mm